Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and my co-host, Caleb Jenks, is uh, working out a AV problem. So he should be on with us here, hopefully in just a minute. So tonight, what we're going to be talking about is children. We're going to be going over uh, why should you have kids? How many kids should you have? If you're a parent, what are your roles and responsibilities? What does God want you to do with those kiddos? We're going to kind of go over the whole gambit. So we're <clears throat> the topic is pretty broad. So this could go in a lot of directions. Now, before we get going, I want to just remind everyone that next week we're going to be talking about the case for the pre-tribulation rapture. I'm pretty sure that's going to be an entire hour of me talking about the Bible because Caleb's not really that big into eschatology. He has a little bit more of a feeling of, eh, I'll just figure it out when I get there. Uh, I take the position of, well, why did God write so much about it unless he wanted us to learn about it and understand it? So we're going to go over a lot of Bible talking about not only the rapture, but why do I take the stance of a pre-tribulation rapture? Also, if you are listening to us on Spotify or Google Play, you can certainly join us live every Friday night on our Bible Thumper Facebook page, and you can join in by commenting and asking questions and kind of being a part of the live video that we do every Friday night at 8 p.m. And certainly if you are watching us on Facebook, we would ask that you would get on Spotify or Google Play, download the podcast, listen to it, and please share, share, share it around. So with that, we're going to jump right in here and we are going to get into the topic of children. Now, Caleb and I should probably tell you just for complete transparency that between the two of us, we have 10 children. I have six and he has four. Now we are not having any more kids. Whereas Caleb and his wife, I don't know where they are in the process other than they have three and they're pregnant with their fourth, but I'm not sure if they've ever, you know, discussed how many they want to have. So we're, we can get into that as soon as uh, Caleb gets here. So then uh, I kind of want to, I kind of wanted to start by um, going over a couple of Bible verses so why don't we start by da, 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 turning to the Psalms and bear with me as I am trying to uh, do something on my phone at the same time as we are turning in our Bible to let's start with Psalm 127 verse three. Hopefully some folks are going to be joining us here. We got a couple on Psalm 127 verse three, and I am going to uh, read that in uh, just five seconds here. Okay. Uh, there we go. Uh, okay. Psalm 127 verse three says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of his room and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So <clears throat> something very important to, if you're gonna, if you're going to start out a topic about children, I really think that the most important thing to get out of the way is this idea of whose kids are they? I think a lot of Christians struggle with different areas of their life because they never understand whose money they have, whose life they have, whose kids they have, whose house do they live in? And because of that, we can kind of get veered off into 
onto a path that is not the one that God wants for us. It's important for me to understand that my money is not my own. It is God's. He has just given it to me to see if I am a good steward with it and to see what I do with it. Same with the house that I live in, same with the life that I have and the air that I breathe, and also my children. My children are not my own. My children are God's. So Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the, room, the fruit of the womb is his reward. So what we need to understand here is that God gives us his children as if he leases them to us or as if he wills them to us. They're an heritage from God. He gives them to us. And guess what? He is going to expect a return on his investment. He wants them taken care of a certain way. And God is going to be checking in and he gives us plenty of instruction as far as what he wants us to do with our children. So Caleb's here. I'm going to bring him in. Hopefully this works. Three, two, one. Presto. There you are, Caleb. So you're on. So <clears throat> hopefully my technical difficulties sorted out here. No, it looks good. You sound good. You're okay. crystal clear. <clears throat> so another verse I want to give you is Proverbs 17, verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. We also find another one in, ah, boy, I think it's in Proverbs, but I... I don't have it just yet, so I'm going to have to look for it. Okay, we're talking about how children are from God and children are a blessing. So, Caleb, the one thing that I just told everybody, which I think a lot of Christians struggle with, is the idea of whose stuff is it. So I don't believe that my money is mine. I believe it's God's. I don't believe my children are mine. I believe they are God's. I don't believe this house that I live in is mine. I believe it's God's. I don't believe my wife is mine. I believe it's she is the daughter of God. And when I look at those things, now keep in mind, God has given them to me on purpose. But when I look at it that way, all of a sudden my, my perspective changes and all of a sudden I have a responsibility and I, am, I have to treat my money, my wife, my house, my kids a certain way because, after all, they're not mine. They're God's, and God is going to be checking in and making sure that I am doing my job with what he has given me. So your two cents on kids being God's. Am I just totally crazy there, or is that a healthy way for Christians to look at their children? Well, I just... That's interesting. I, I thought that they belonged to the uh, U.S. government. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, antagonism at its finest. Trying to, trying to get my blood pressure up and start a fight as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... Um, as Christians, we obviously have to recognize that even we ourselves do not belong to, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible says, I am not my own. I've been bought for price. Um, and so I think that goes for everything that we take ownership of as well. And our children have been given to us by God. So um, obviously, if we were so kind as to go against the uh, instructions from the government and we didn't get them aborted, we brought them into this world, then we 
have them for a short period of time and it goes fast. If you have children, um, we have three daughters. I'm not as experienced of a parent as Patrick is because Patrick we're lucky is, we're <laughs> blessed of God. Cause I have five sons, but anyways, uh, I have, I have experienced the, the blessings that come with, uh, that come with children. And sometimes I, I look at it and I think, man, if I would have been so stupid, I hear, I hear some people that are going into marriage saying, oh, we probably will never have children. We don't plan to have any kids or not for a long time. And um, my life would be pretty empty and meaningless right now if it weren't for my children. And it, they really define who we are as parents. Um, but we can't just take that blessing from God and then not bless our children with a good godly um, education and upbringing such that uh, well, like you, you mentioned, they are supposed to be a blessing from God. So if, 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 our, if, our, if we want our children to be a blessing and we want to keep it that way, we should also bless them in return by raising them the way that God says for us to. Well, and you know, it's an interesting point you make because there are far too many people that they have kids but because they don't understand that they are a blessing from God. And as a matter of fact, I read Psalm 127.3, but I stopped at three. If I were to read the next two verses, or I'm going to read three through five, lo, children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So children are a reward from God. That's a good thing. Okay. You're rewarded with good things. The next verse says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. So again, God's not only telling you that they are a blessing and they're a reward, but you should desire a bunch of them. Because after all, wouldn't you want a whole bunch of blessings? But like Caleb said, be I said some people might not understand that God has given us children and they're from him. And Caleb said, well, you know, you really need to raise them in the ways of God. And that's where it breaks down. There are lots of Christians who read the verses about children being a blessing. But guess what? They're a blessing when you raise them the way God wants you to. They're not just automatically a, a blessing. Now, don't get me wrong. Anytime someone gets pregnant, congratulations, mazel tov. That's wonderful. Okay. Children are, th that's a good thing all the time. E no matter what the circumstances are, the child is good. It's a blessing. That's wonderful. But understand that they might not always be a blessing in your life if you're not raising them the ways that God wants. All of a sudden, if you only do half of what the Bible says, guess what? Kids can be very difficult. And the worst job we do as parents uh, it shows and it makes our life more difficult. So I, I believe you're spot on. It's so important that we are uh, raising our kids, you know, the way that God wants. So <clears throat> okay, you, mean, you weren't you have had bad experiences with children before you think that you can do it wrong as a parent? I mean, I've oh, seen my soul throwing a temper tantrum at Walmart before. Yeah. And I thought, man, if only I could have one of those children, <laughs> one of those in my quiver. And it's so fun. Yeah, like an arrow that's dull with like one of the feathers on the back that's ripped off and missing that always veers hard to the right. You know, 
it's so funny because like Caleb was saying, I mean, Caleb and I are, are Caleb, how old are you now? I'm 41, 33. Okay. So Caleb and I are eight years apart. I have six kids. He's going on his fourth. So he'll be able to overtake me and, and beat me in the number of kids. If, if him and his wife keep going at the pace that they are, but I can tell you that whenever you would walk through like you said, you walk through a grocery store with all six kids in tow. And I mean, people just stop and stare and their mouth is open. And sometimes someone will be brave enough to walk up to you and they'll say, wow, I can't imagine having six kids. And meanwhile, they have their one kid hanging on their arm, throwing a fit, yelling and screaming, picking stuff up out of the grocery cart and throwing it on the ground. And the thought I always have is, well, I couldn't imagine having six kids if they acted like yours. You know, and they people don't, you know, seem to get it. It's like, well, you know, it's it's no different than a good, obedient dog. You put in the time, you train them properly, and all of a sudden they are a blessing to everybody that's around them. But with children, you know, it, it's the same way. If you, if you, you don't put in the time. Shot collar. And a leash. Way. Yeah, the sleeping okay. cages. Yep, that's exactly. I'm so glad you're picking up what I'm putting down. Caleb is setting us up for a lawsuit. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone's listening to this and you want to be able to support this ministry, send Patrick dog treats, okay? No more shock uh, collars. He's got enough of those, but the dog yeah. treats, please. So, okay, so Caleb, if you had to, being a parent uh, in the middle of parenting, okay, so you're, how old's your oldest? She's seven. Okay, seven down to expecting, and I have thirteen. Thanks down for breaking to five. the news for us. We we have not posted that publicly. So really, any anyone who watches the Bible Thumper, you got early access to us uh, announcing the fact that we're expecting. We've told a few okay. friends at church. Yeah, you told me, but you didn't tell me not to tell anyone. It's more fun this way. Well, the good news is I only broke it to about four people across America. We're not, our, <laughs> our I podcast think our... isn't that popular. So by the time this actually gets up, I, I think uh, your we child thir- will be. We have 13 people watching us right we now. We have 13 followers. Yeah, 13, okay. And 13 hopefully people. none of them know your wife and but, can text her what just yeah, happened. Exactly. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, So with that being said, understand Caleb and I, our kids are not all fully grown and married and and off and we can see how we did from start to finish. But uh, we do have kids all the way up and through kind of the, you know, middle stage as far as, you know, 13 years old, they're getting ready to, you know, uh, uh, finish off their education with us and leave the house and start their life and hopefully get married. And uh, this is 13, 13. And he's almost done with his education and ready to get married. Well, leave the house, you know. <laughs> oh, at and 14, then your kids married. leave the house at 14. <laughs> I said, soon, Caleb, soon. You, you are just worthless on this podcast tonight. Okay. Dog treats and shot collars. And okay. Thank you. Are you the moderator of the presidential debate? Just putting words in my mouth every time I say anything. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So. <clears throat> My point is simply this, what neither Caleb nor I are telling you that we are God's gift to parenting and that, you know, and that we can tell you that we have seen our kids all the way through to a successful marriage and raising a family of their own. But what we can tell you is that, you know, we between the two of us, we have a lot of kids and we've we've been in 
a lot of churches, knowing a lot of families with a lot of kids. And we've, we've seen, um, seen it done well and, and seen it done poorly. And, and some of this I want to, you know, kind of talk to you about and bring up some ideas as far as what are the pitfalls? What are the things you'd avoid? What are the, what's the advice you'd give to uh, the people who are either expecting or thinking of having kids, or maybe they have a couple of young ones? Uh, what, what would you say are the top three mistakes you've seen or the top three pieces of advice you'd give to somebody who is wondering, uh, what on earth am I supposed to do as far as uh, raising my children? Man, I don't know. I, my, there you have my, it, folks. Advice, <laughs> my advice has changed. So I, I grew up in a large family, uh, seven sisters, and one brother, and I didn't have my younger brother's 10 years younger than me. So I spent a, a decent amount of my childhood with nothing but sisters. And it was, it was a good experience, believe it or not. A lot of people say that they feel sorry for me, but I actually uh, had a very, very good home life. And um, I went away from that thinking that some of the biggest challenges that I was going to face with my children were going to be the same challenges that I faced growing up or that my parents faced with me. I have to say some of the biggest challenges that I faced with our children have been out of control with electronics, things like that. I never had, I never had a smartphone when I was a kid for one. Um, and I didn't, um, well, we were a little bit, uh, we did home church. So we weren't in church with other people. My kids weren't in school or my kids are in public or private school. I was in homeschool. So there's some differences there, but it seems to me that I have, two, maybe three teenagers. <laughs> my youngest is eight months old, almost nine months old. And uh, she was throwing a fit the other day because my wife tried to take her phone away from her. <laughs> she was, of course, she was chewing on the phone. But um, I said, <laughs> I said, we're already having problems and she's not even a year old trying to take a smartphone away from her. But it constantly changes. And to, to think that you can go into raising your children, this is the biggest advice that I would give to somebody, is to think that you can go into raising your children in reaction to the way that you were raised or, the, or patterning it off of the way that your parents raised you or the way that you see other people raising their children. That is, you, it couldn't possibly be a, a bigger misconception. And each child is different, each family is different, and times are changing. And so I went into parenting very much in reaction to how I had been raised. And there were things that I said, no matter what, I'm not going to do this to my children um, or things that I wanted to carry into raising my children. And I found that very little of what my expectations as far as parenting were, were based off of biblical values or a biblical worldview is more off a practical worldview. And so I would say that um, I have, in opening God's word, I found that there's a lot of advice for parents with your children. And that should be our rule book rather than trying to go off of how we were raised or how we see other people raising their children. If you raise your children like society raises their children, you're going to have a bunch of um, hooligans running around, burning down streets, looting, and look like ISIS here in a few years if you, if you raise your kids to be a good American kid. That's what our society is turning out. If you turn on the news, you can see how, how parenting is turning out a bunch of maniacs. And so obviously that's not what we want to raise. Why even bother? If that's what you're going to end up with. I, I was driving past somebody on, on the road the other day and he was, he was a very poor driver and very belligerent and flipping people off. 
And I, of course, I don't know if it's a very Christian thing for me to say, I picked this up from one of my friends, but I said, I really hope that they never figure out how to reproduce. (laughs) (laughs) That was my, that was my response to this, the way that this person was driving, just extremely irresponsible socially, no social skills and um, just rude. And I'm thinking, man, whoever raised him, why did they waste their time? I really hope that they don't figure out how to reproduce because we don't need more of that. (laughs) So anyways, um, that's just, I guess, kind of, uh, the biggest the biggest thing that caught me off guard in in being a parent is I thought I had it all figured out. I was a real smart aleck. <laughs> and I, I found that I have fallen into a lot of the same traps that my parents were in, made a lot of the same mistakes, and some of the things that I thought I was going to do great at. Um, they they I didn't even need I didn't even need those things with my children. I um, threw them all a smartphone and. <laughs> told him to get on YouTube and find, find some good stuff on there. The next thing you know, it's like, wait, this is getting out of control. Um, and so, yeah, I am, I tell people that I am an ex I'm, I'm experimenting with my children and I'll be able to tell you here in about 15 years, you can check back and I'll tell you how it went, but I wouldn't follow my lead. Open your Bible. Okay. So <clears throat> that's a good segue. I'm going to put a verse up on the screen. Uh, Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, there's a couple things we need to understand and kind of go over, I think, as parents. One of them is the idea that your children are cute little bundles of sin. Okay, that's what they are. They're sinners. And if you don't believe that, then uh, let me ask you this. Did you have to teach your child to be selfish? Did you have to teach your child to hit other kids or to steal the toy from someone else? No, these are things that they have learned on their own. They are they are full of selfishness and self-centeredness, and um, they have a complete lack of control, uh, much like a lot of their parents. And the Bible says that... <laughs> The Bible says that this is the way kids start. So it is our job to get them on the path of God. But do not think that that will happen by default. It only happens with purpose. One of my favorite sayings from one of my favorite preachers is, if you don't know where you're going, then any train will get you there. And we have to understand that with our children, we can't just hope that they're going to turn out and do well. That doesn't happen by default. They turn out to do well with purpose. The parents have to have purpose. They have to have planning. They have to put in a lot of time and effort. So to give you another idea, as a parent, is parenting hard? Yeah. It's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do other than trying to live a godly Christian life. Those are hands down the two hardest things I've ever had to do. Anything that is difficult is going to be worthwhile and it's going to take consistent time and effort and energy. It's going to take discipline on my part. But those are the ingredients to producing the type of children that you want. And whenever God shows me a failing of mine as a parent, for me to correct it, it's never just pushing a button. 
it's always, okay, now I got to plan some stuff and I got to take time and, and it's going to take a whole lot of energy and sometimes it costs some money, but that is what it takes to get great kids, okay? To teach them the Bible, to teach them character, to get them to turn out the way that you want. It doesn't happen by default. So, so you make it sound really hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the good. Thing you've done. I don't know. You just have a lot more kids, or you didn't train your wife right. I just leave. I just leave a lot more of it up to my wife. You gotta, you gotta lower your expectations going into it, Patrick. There's some biblical leadership right there. <laughs> Father of the year, Caleb, Caleb Jenks. I just well, leave it up to my wife. Well, I told my wife this year, my, I just had a birthday recently, and I told her that a lot of my friends at church are always talking about their struggle to try to be a good husband and a good mm -hmm. father. And I said, shoot, I gave up on that. I decided last year I was a good dad. This year I'm going to be a good husband. I'll just do it one at a time. So this is, this is your year with the kids. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's... Uh, we could edit that out later. <laughs> no, that's good. Product up on Spotify. <laughs> Bad advice. <clears throat> okay, so one thing that I want to I want to give everyone the idea. I want to give everyone this idea, and then I want to try to shatter a really stupid idea that is prevalent in many homes today. So the idea is you need to sit down with your spouse and you need to talk about your goals for your children. You need to decide what do you want your children to turn out like? What, what is important? There's a million things you can teach them, but the fact is you don't have time for all of it. You only have them for so long. So you have to decide what are the things I want my children to learn and then you have to develop a plan to get there. So <clears throat> what you're trying to do is you're trying to prepare your kids for when they leave the house. You want them to be successful. You want them to love and serve God. You don't want them to be blindsided by all of life and just have life whoop up on them and they start out losing in debt, making terrible decisions that are that digging themselves into, you know, just a pit that they have to try to work to climb out of. So we're trying to prepare these kids for adulthood and everything that life is going to throw at them. So again, as I said before, if you don't know where you're going, then any train will get you there. You have to have some form of a plan. You should do that with your spouse and then you should decide, okay, so if that's the case, what are we going to do with my, with my kids? we had a couple things we talked about and we said, okay, number one, I want all my kids to be hard workers because no matter what God decides to have them do, whether they're going to serve God as a pastor or a missionary, whether they're going to serve humanity as a plumber or an electrician, whether they are going to go for higher education and get a degree in law or medicine, they need to be a hard worker. Okay. That nobody succeeds in any field if they are lazy and slothful. And if you don't believe me, just get out your Strong's Concordance or your Young's Concordance and look up sloth and look up lazy and go through the Bible and you're going to find lots of colorful analogies about how they all starve in the wilderness because they're worthless. So we said, okay, if we're going to do that, 
we live on a farm. There's plenty of work to do. We're going to have our kids do it. Okay. We have a big house. Our kids are going to clean it. Our kids are going to chop wood. Our kids are going to do their own laundry. Our kids are going to learn how to cook and how to clean. Okay. We have lots of chores. Our kid, because I own my own business, our kids go to work with dad so they can learn these things. So, so we decided what the goal is. We put in a plan and we're working towards that. We wanted our labor. Yeah. Yeah. Child labor laws. We decided we want our kids to love God and know God and trust God. And we thought that no matter, again, whatever they're doing, that's something important for our children. So we said, okay, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to do it by uh, all the kids that can read, uh, have a Bible, and they get up early with dad and they read their Bible in the morning. And we we take them to church and we have Bible studies at our house and and we talk about God and, and we ask them questions about God. And we we're teaching them how to read their Bible and how to study their Bible and how to pray. And again, don't think that they are just going to know how to read their Bible and how to pray by default. There are wrong ways to pray and right ways to pray. There are wrong ways to read your Bible and right ways to read your Bible. And you say, how can you read your Bible incorrectly? That's easy. Put on the TV and while it's playing in the background, casually read your Bible for 10 minutes and then set it down. You're not going to retain anything. You're not going to remember anything. It's going to be very hard for God to speak to you. Because I thought you were going to say, turn on your TV and watch Joel Osteen. <laughs> and you can see how to read your Bible incorrectly. <laughs> well, I w- I'd say that, but I'm not sure they actually use the Bible in, in some of those churches. Okay, so the, the, the point is, is very simply, we, we made a plan uh, or we had some goals. We made a plan. Okay, now the last thing I want I want to talk about, and I want to destroy this idea, and then I need to shut up and let you get on here, Caleb, is this idea of adolescence. So adolescence is very popular in America today. It's instead of training young men and kids to become young men and young men to become uh, to become strong men who are leaders in their family and in their church, adolescence is a can be a period of many, 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 many years, all the way through and past college age, where kids are allowed to be irresponsible, lazy, video game playing, sleep, sleeping in, jobless, worthless sluggards that essentially avoid turning into men and have this perpetual time of childness where they are able to act without any responsibility. And these are this, these, this is producing weak and apathetic men in churches and society, in, in, in business and in families. And it's something that I'm telling you needs to be destroyed. And the fathers that are listening need to understand it is your role. It is your responsibility. You need to make a plan. You need to have some goals for what you want your son to be. And you cannot just hope that they turn out the way you want. It's not going to happen. They're going to remain in adolescence. They're going to remain children as long as possible until the world whoops up on them and forces them to become men one day. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one, one, one thing that has stuck in my head. If you do not raise your children well, then you will have the chance to raise your grandchildren well. Because your kids will be irresponsible morons 
and you are going to end up getting custody of your grandkids and you're going to have a second chance to do it. Unfortunately, that second chance usually starts around 50 or 60 years old. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to raise your kids right so you don't have to raise your grandkids right. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. I know a few of those. Yeah. That are getting, they are blessed with the opportunity to raise their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's very it's very interesting that a lot of Christians that I see that would have ideals, like you mentioned, Patrick, uh, for their children, it's, it's, I think it's impossible to impart ideals like that to your children if you yourself don't lead them by example. You're getting Mm -hmm. up in the morning and and reading your Bible with your children, teaching them God's word. They're seeing you in the word. They're seeing you in church. You can't expect to have children that turn out better than the life that you show them. Um, You can't expect that they're not going to follow in your your footsteps as good as as good as you would like. So you can't I don't think you can ever under underestimate the value of starting at an early age and and trying to model Christianity for your children. They see Jesus in us. Um, I like the fact that you brought up, so I've been to Patrick and Joanna's house and I've seen their children. And when Patrick tells his children, it's time to, um, put some, gather some firewood, bring it in the house, stoke the fire. Let's get the dinner ready. Let's clear the table. Let's wash the dishes. Um, there's not a, it's not a lot of nonsense with his children. They, they understand and, a lot of people would say that Patrick raises his children almost in a militant way, that his children are as obedient or res- respectful of him as they would be if they were in, in the military. And um, I, I respect Patrick's children when I'm around them. I, I actually look up to Patrick's children as that they are um, respectable human beings that are worth carrying on a normal conversation with. I don't I don't marginalize them as, oh, they're just adolescents. They're just children. Uh, they need to be out of the room. The adults are talking. If, you know, if Moses walks in the room and says something, I'm going to relate to him as a mature adult because he, re- he responds and, and, and interacts as a mature adult. He carries on mature conversations and he doesn't, um, he's not just uh, been completely left to his own devices. And that is one of the reasons that I think children end up being, like you said, treated as children and as adolescents for far too long. They're in their teenage years, they're still expected to do nothing. Um, in their twenties and early thirties, they're still in their parents' basement without a job, without, you know, without seeking a life is because from a very early age as, as parents, you, you need to realize eventually you're going to look that kid in the eye and that kid is going to be your 30 or 50 year old child. And they're going to remember their childhood. They're going to remember the way that you treated them. They may not like it now, but um, eventually they are going to be an adult. They're going to remember the conversations they had with you and they can either be meaningful conversations or they can be marginalized and pushed aside as if oh, they're just adolescents. They need to go play in the other room, do their thing. Don't expect them to help with the dishes. Don't expect them to help with the laundry. Don't expect them to do anything. And pretty soon you'll have a monster that you've created that you want nothing to do with. You can't wait for them to get out of the house. So I think that, um, I, and I've, I've seen both sides of this. Um, my parents were first generation Christians. And so they were pretty careful with raising their children. Um, I've seen, especially second and third generation Christians really slacking. Uh, of course, I, I do think that it's good for us to, 
to have friendships with our children and not to just have a have an authority uh, figure type relationship with them where they can't open up and be real with you, but they have to have respect and honor. And I see a lot of second and third generation Christians where all that they want is they want to be friends with their kids from a very young age. There's no respect. There's no order in the home and they never discipline their children. They never, um, they never push their children. Um, I don't, there's, there's times where my children are around some of their aunts or uncles that are harder on them than others. And there's times where I, I've questioned, should I even intervene on behalf of my children? Because, you know, their sh- short tempered aunt or uncle or whoever it is, you know, family member is, is getting onto their case about this or that. And I told my wife, I want my children to know how to deal with adversity. I want them to be around people that challenge them from an early age. And you, you can't protect your children from everything. A lot of parents want to protect their children from everything. And pretty soon they've got a bunch of babies that are teenagers or in their young 20s that have been protected from everything they have no idea how to go into to normal life and they're still hiding behind their behind their mom or their dad so um where do you find the balance between that and being a dad or a mom that always yells at your kid uh, i'll ask you that question and then go ahead because don't so, doesn't if you're strict wouldn't you always be yelling at your kids constantly just yeah. yelling at them all the time is that what you know parents what? Do? <laughs> yeah that's, you know, that's a great question. Caleb, you, you made one point that I, I have to go back to and reiterate because it, it, it was so important. Caleb said that he talks to my oldest son, who's 13, as an adult when he enters into the conversation. My wife and I try to treat many of our kids as adults as often as we can. Now, we, we do this after they receive the training. We don't just give them responsibility that's over their head. But to give you an example, my two older sons, who are 13 and 12, drive the tractor around the farm all the time. Okay, When my wife is working out in the garden doing something and she needs some heavy stuff moved or some mulch brought over, whatever, she doesn't do it. She has the boys do it. And they feel like men. Every time that the boys and I go shooting, The boys load the guns into the truck. So if you drive by our farm on the right day, you'll see nine and 10 and 12 and 13 year olds walking out of the house with rifles in their hand and loading them into the truck. Now, they know how to do this. They know how to do it safely. Do you know what they feel like when dad gives them a rifle and tells them, go put this in the truck, make sure you put it in there. Um, safely so it doesn't shift around, you know, and we're going shooting. They feel like men. They don't feel like boys anymore. And when you treat them like that, they desire it so much when you give them a real man's responsibility. So we do that as often as uh, humanly possible. So then, you know, I put up a lot of verses here as Caleb was talking about um, raising your kids and how you need to discipline them and physical discipline is part of it. And there, there's a list of verses. And, and if you want, if we ever want to get into, a, um, we could do this another day where we go over the nuts and bolts on how to train your kids, how physical discipline works into it. But to answer your question, no, I, I want to yell up my kids as little as possible, ideally not at all. Uh, Now, I have a 
big, powerful, booming voice, and, and you can hear me a country mile away, and sometimes I use it, and a lot of times it's because they're about to do something stupid and dangerous, and I want to get their attention. Wait, kids do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but especially, you know, I, I, my goal is not to yell at my kids unless it's necessary. Okay, that that's absolutely the goal. In the same way, my goal is not to spank the kids unless it's necessary. Now, does that have to happen? Absolutely. And when they're younger, it has to happen a lot more. And as they grow older and they become um, uh, uh, better uh, and more well-behaved kids, it happens much less often. Okay, but that but you got to understand spanking and physical discipline is a part of training. That's not training. That's a part of training your kids. So, you know, so that's involved. Um, so I don't so know. I, Go ahead. I was, gonna bring, oh, I was just yeah. gonna, on that, on that point, as far as yelling at your children, when I see a parent that is constantly having to yell at their children in order to ha have them get the point. Obey. I don't think. I'm going to count oh, to is, three. I'm yeah. counting to three. One. If I have to tell you one more time. I'm counting to 10 now. Count to 10. Here I go. <laughs> I, I look at them as abusive yeah. and as uh, <clears throat> way too lax and inconsistent with their children. If you have to get to the point with your children that you have to make threats and yell at them in order for them to get the point, obviously somewhere along the line you messed up and it wasn't just now. Uh, kids don't Kids don't forget to respect their parents overnight. Respect mm -hmm. is something that is built into them that you build with time. And, and if you're consistent and strict and, and like Patrick said, um, sit down and talk with your spouse and, and make a plan because you both have to be on the same page as the kids because kids thrive on consistency. If mom and dad are both on the same page, if you can't sit down and talk to your wife then write it down and tell her how to raise the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, if you got enough communication, then, then make a plan together. That's kind of a joke. But um, my my wife and I talked before we even got married about some of how we were going to raise our children. And we've learned very quickly, you you have to be on the same page with your children because they exploit the differences. If dad yeah, is harsher, yep. they see that and they pick up on it immediately and they know how to manipulate parents. So you have to be consistent with them. And, and strictness doesn't necessarily mean yelling at your kids. It doesn't mean... Mm threatening them it doesn't mean constantly disciplining them it means be consistent and don't and then uh, you, you can't expect your children to be able to obey on the fly because because you were embarrassed at your friend's house and so now all of a sudden you want your kid to behave if you don't expect them to behave at home mm -hmm. you have to have a consistent platform that your children grow up where the rules are the same no matter where they are if they're at home mm -hmm. if they're at the grocery store if they're at church they respect no matter where they are and they thrive on that. My children love to, they, it, sometimes it feels like they live to please me. Mm -hmm. And I have daughters, I don't have any sons, so I don't know what that's like. But my daughters are so brokenhearted when I'm upset with them. If they, if they mess up, they disobey, they're in trouble. They, it bothers them so bad. And they do it plenty often. I mean, they're not perfect kids. They end up, you know, messing up, but they, they hate that. They, children want to, to please their parents, but it's impossible to please a parent that doesn't have a consistent set of rules that the children knows where the boundaries are and can follow that, that rule consistently. And so when I look at, um, when I look at parents that marginalize their children, 
talk down to their children uh, as if they can't comprehend on a somewhat mature level what the parent is talking and they have to yell at them they have to call them names use bad language and and i think um well there's a couple of bible verses that'll bring up in a minute but it looks like you have something ready to go there but i think that jesus modeled um he he modeled the way that he, the way that he related to us and the way that he related to children when he was here is looks a lot different the way that i see a parent that's threatening their children and yelling mm-hmm. at their children i don't see jesus relating to his disciples that way. I don't see him relating to children that way at all. So go ahead. Yeah, what you're describing by that parent that yells and screams at their kid, that's really not a page out of the, you know, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, it's it's terrible management is what it is. And uh, now, Caleb, you made you made mention, you said it's like your kids live to please you. Now, what Caleb is talking about is the way it was designed by God. What you have to understand is that your children look at you and your spouse as God. Now, they it's not a form of idolatry. It's the way that God set it up. So if you train your kids and love your kids and they trust you and they go to you for help, And they want to please you because you are the one that provides all of their needs and loves them and wants the best for them. And there's that good, healthy relationship there. Then guess what? They have no problem understanding who God is and the relationship they are going to have with God as a Christian. And God set it up that way. The, The problem with so many folks is that when they were raised in a home that is physically and verbally and emotionally abusive, they misunderstand who God is. Now, are you ready for this? When a kid grows up in a home where there are no rules and no boundaries and no discipline, again, they do not understand who God is because God has boundaries. He does discipline us and he does it because he loves us and he wants the best for us. So, Another thing that that I should bring up as far as, you know, Caleb was talking about what his kids thrive on. Okay, Something that my kids, again, thrive on is a schedule. We have a very strict bedtime and time that we get up and we have a schedule for the week and we have a schedule for days, certain days of the week. We do different things and our kids do so much better when they have a consistent diet and a consistent schedule and consistent sleep patterns and consistency in the home with rules and discipline. And it's always the same. Okay. Our kids do so much better. And I've been around homes where, you know, they, they wait until the kid disobeys them, you know, 25 times and then they go off the handle and they yell and scream and they throw stuff at the kids. And then they have it where, you know, the kids, they don't have a strict bedtime and they, the kid just suffers through the day with little bits of sleep here and there. And basically what you're doing is a form of sleep deprivation, which has been banned uh, by the Geneva Convention as a form of torture that we used to use against terrorists to try to interrogate them. And parents are doing that with their children. you know, where the kids can barely stay awake in church for five minutes because they're so sleep deprived because they were up till four in the morning the night before, you know, watching Netflix, you know, eating uh, Lucky Charms. 
So <clears throat> it's one more thing that that we've done with our kids that, you know, has really uh, just helped them a lot. But don't forget, you are the image and likeness of God, you know, to your children. So uh, act like it and it will help your kids understand who God is. Caleb, do you want to take a couple questions here? we got a few in the comments, sure. unless you want to jump back in. So let me let me ask you a question. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, Caleb, do fathers raise the boys and wives raise the girls? Question mark. Hmm. Um, I would say definitely no to that, but fathers cannot, uh, if, if you have sons, it's extremely important that you're there for your sons. Um, and I, I would say the same with mothers for their daughters. Your dad, if you're a dad, you're not going to teach your daughter how to be a decent wife or a mom, how to cook, how to clean some of the values that they need to, to learn from their mom, even how to take care of themselves. Um, they need their mom for some things, but they certainly need daughters definitely need their dads. Um, I do a fair share of the, the parenting with our daughters and they thrive off of it. Both boys and girls thrive off of having, having, a father present in the home it's that can't be underestimated so no it's it's a joint effort but i think fathers are, are definitely role models for their sons and should be and the same with with mothers their daughters yeah i'm gonna say ditto to that uh it, it's definitely a team effort what you find though is that as the kids get older you're hoping that the sons uh want to emulate their dad and you're hoping that the daughters want to emulate their mother so that the young boys can learn to be young men, can learn to be leaders of men. And don't just and, hope that they will because they will. Yeah, so make yeah. sure that you're make sure that you're something that they can't emulate. Yeah. Some of my <laughs> I've heard my children say a few things when they were pretty young, and my wife and I were like, oops, they overheard oh, us say that. Yeah. Didn't they? yeah. Who said that? <laughs> where did you learn that word? Oh, what wait, neighbor did you hear that from? Yeah. You know, so, okay, to give everyone an example, okay, and this might sound ridiculous, but uh, there is nothing my kids love more than when I get out all the wrestling mats and we get out the headgear and the mouth guards and the boxing gloves and I teach my kids the art of pugilism. And we learn boxing and the kids, I teach them how to wrestle, you know. And I mean, for me, like the kids, the boys love this stuff. Mother could care less. But my wife spends time with my daughter and my daughter loves doing things with my wife. I literally have plastic uh, rubber knives and guns and we take them out onto the mat and I teach my kids how to disarm somebody you know, and flip them onto the ground and get out of a headlock and, you know, all these things, they love it. They're, the boys love it so much. You can't believe it. I'm teaching them army combatives that you would learn in basic training. And the boys so, thrive on that stuff. They want to be men. Go ahead. So you actually are raising them like, like they're in the military. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> across the board. Do they but, salute you too? No, but they do know how to stand at attention and go into uh, at ease. They know how to line up in formation. 
you know, and they love that stuff. They really do. But it is a team effort. You know, we don't segregate them. I spend time with my daughter and help her with parts of her education and different things. And I teach my daughter, you know, lots of these skills as well. And okay, so, you know, without trying to sound sexist and having to apologize for it. Okay, I have taken my daughter out onto those mats and I teach her how to throw a punch. My wife uh, has taught all of my sons how to bake cookies in the kitchen. Okay. They all learn all of those things, their skills. But with that being said, we want my boys to want to do manly things and my daughter to do uh, womanly things. Okay. Another question for you. Uh, What about children whose father or mother died when they were at a very young age? What's the answer there, Caleb? Hopefully they had a good church church support, and unfortunately I have I have seen uh, children that grew up without a mom or a dad, and it did have lasting effects on them. I think that God's grace can certainly be there, especially in the in the situation of a of a parent that dies. I hate it with divorce. I think that that's way more hurtful to a child to see their parents divorce because it's not only the absence of a good father or a good mother in their life, but they they constantly are reminded of the failure of their mother or their father. So I think divorce is way worse than uh, being a widow or a widower and having children in the home. But hopefully um, somebody in that situation would find a a good church group support where they have role models that they can look to that would be father figures or or mother figures to them would be my, my suggestion. Yeah, I think Caleb hit the nail right on the head, uh, both with divorce being far worse than uh, death. And just like Caleb said, if you are part of a church group, okay, there it's actually the responsibility of other people in the church to help widows and orphans or widowers. And that's something that we as Christians need to step up and take charge of and help those folks that have that situation, you know, and it, I can tell you this, I've been part, I've been in churches where we'll do like a father son camp out, you know, we'll, you know, I mean, that's a pretty common thing for a lot of churches where it's like, okay, this is the weekend. All the boys and the dads are getting together and we're going to go camping and, you know, eat bacon and drink coffee and shoot guns and sit around a campfire, you know, tell and go fishing. I mean, just normal outdoor dirty guy stuff. And there's always a handful of kids in the church who don't have a dad. And it's like, okay, you know, who's bringing Billy and who's bringing this kid and who, you know, and everyone takes a kid and we throw them in our tent with the rest of the kids and they have a time, you know, so it it doesn't have to be the end of the world or a debilitating situation. If you do have a good church that can support you through it, it is going to make it a lot easier. So I think Caleb hit that one right on the head. Caleb, those are the only two questions that I right, so see. I had a question for you and Give it everyone to me. else. Uh, I'm, get, I'm wondering if people will get this in the comments. What was the thing that Jesus, if, if you were to pick out one thing that Jesus said that was pretty harsh, what sure. do you think was one of the harshest things that Jesus ever said? <clears throat> So that's easy. That's the millstone you're talking about, or I got to imagine that that's yep. what you're talking about. So, so and I'm do you read, have the verse pulled up, or do you? Yeah, want to I'm gonna read Matthew up? chapter 18, and I'm gonna go through about the first 10 verses. At the, at the same time, came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, "Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven." 
Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were ground in the depths of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And it goes on into the parable of lost. What Jesus. verse did so, you end on? That was, uh, well, I actually read through verse 11. Okay. Um, so... <clears throat> So Jesus uh, takes a very strong stance. And what you find out every time Jesus shows up, uh, I'm sorry, I should say every time children show up when Jesus is around, the children are happy. The children want to be by him and Jesus is happy to see him. And you find out that children are meant to be an asset that we desire to be around. Children are not simply meant to be managed. So <clears throat> Jesus is very serious about teaching these children. We, we, we can say false doctrine, uh, giving them the Bible in an inappropriate and incorrect manner. And we can say leading these children astray is a very serious offense. Jesus actually says that it would be better if you were just <laughs> murdered in the ocean rather than doing this to these kids because uh, kids are malleable, they're soft, they are impressionable, and it is our job as adults to protect them and to teach them and to raise them in the ways of the Lord. And, uh, you know, Jesus, is, he gives a very serious uh, ultimatum if, uh, if any of us, you know, want to go against that. So uh, I, I put yeah, the so verse up there on the screen, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 6. Caleb actually read through 11. Yeah, so if you if you uh, look at verse 10, it says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. That's Jesus talking. Some I know some, a lot of Christians that don't believe in angels. But Jesus says that there are angels in heaven that are that are your children's angels that are in heaven and, and they are in front of God. Okay. And that, so in, in a way, it seems to me that as parents, that you can't, you can't value your time with your children, the effort that you put into raising your children, the example that you are, your children, you can't value that too much. That is your job. Yeah. There's a lot of other things in ministry that you could do as a Christian. You could, um, do all kinds of things that would be great things for the world. But if you fail your children, they have angels that are in heaven before your father who's in heaven. And if you cause them, if you lead your children into sin, if you cause them to stumble into sin, um, God takes that pretty serious. And I think Jesus is is trying to warn us, hey, 
don't despise the children. Don't cause them to stumble. Don't lead them into sin. Um, and, and I think that however that all works out in the end, you can't put too much emphasis on raising your children. That is your job. While you have children in your home, nobody, it's nobody else's job to raise those kids. The Bible says for parents to treat their children in the way they should go. It doesn't say to farm that out to somebody else. Patrick, you, you and your wife homeschool your, your children, right? We do. And Caleb, you're making a great point there. Um, it is not okay to just turn your kids over to the church youth group and say, there, I'm teaching my kids about God and the Bible. That's not it. That doesn't count. Okay. Dads that do that and say, well, that's good enough. The church will take care of it. You're going to have to stand before God and you are going to reap what you sow and you're not going to like it. Okay. In the same way, it's not okay that we farm our kids off to a public school or a Christian school and say, okay, good enough. There you go. And, and I'm not trying to, I know Caleb has his children in a Christian school. I'm not saying that's wrong to have them in that. I'm saying that Caleb as a father doesn't say, well, that's good enough. I don't have to worry about educating my kids. No, him and his wife still take it seriously. And they say, it's our job and we are going to make sure that it's being done. And we're going to try to shore up any areas where we're falling short. And we're going to check on that. We're not just going to trust the church to teach our kids. I'm not just going to trust the school to teach my kids. It's my responsibility. Those are tools and they're fine to use. That's, I mean, it's great that you have your kids in church. I'm not saying not to. I'm just saying that that doesn't alleviate the parent of their responsibility. Would you agree with that, Caleb? Oh yeah. It's nobody else's job, but yours. Nobody else okay. is going to stand before God and answer for what they didn't teach your children. Um, if your children are out riding the streets and burning the country down, you're not going to look mm -hmm. at their Sunday school teacher and say, you should have done a better job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Caleb, I want to, I want to, um, we're at the hour mark, but there are one or two more things I wanted to talk about. So uh, the first one, if I could, if I could give a, a verse here, I'm not going to type it up on the screen just because it's going to take me a minute and I'm going to spell Nehemiah wrong. So this is in Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. And this is just one example. You can find dozens of examples to make this point. We read, they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his judgments and his statutes, and that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, not take their daughters for our sons. Now, this idea of not giving our daughters over to the sons of the Canaanites and not taking their daughters onto our sons for wives is throughout the entire Old Testament. And what you have to understand is this is a picture of the child of God marrying the Canaanite, marrying the world, marrying someone that they are not supposed to be around. Is your mic rubbing on your shoulder? Because it is oh, I loud. Try. Yeah. Oh, yes. Turn it a little bit more forward. It'll be okay. If I, was it's trying, a little... I was trying to get it to where Patrick wasn't hearing my mic so bad before. Yeah. Okay. So we, we hear this story over and over and over again through the Bible. And what it's saying is we are not allowing our children to be married to the world. And in the New Testament, it talks about this. 
And when we read, Paul talks about, Caleb, could you look it up for me, where Paul says, what union has light with darkness? And what fellowship has, you know, the children of God with the children of Belial? Paul gives, I want to say it's five examples, but I don't remember for sure. But the point Paul is making with all of these examples he gives, the answer is none. Light has no fellowship with darkness, none whatsoever. If there is light, there is no darkness. Okay, darkness is the complete absence of light. And we are, by what the Bible says, responsible for our children, not just until they leave the house. The Bible says at the very least, we have to say we are responsible for our children all the way up until they get married and who they get married to. Now, if you're just tuning in or you just got saved yesterday and you have a 21-year-old son or daughter, I'm not saying you should expect them to allow you to have an influence over who they marry. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you can have that influence in the lives of your children if you train them up in the ways they should go and you can have a say in who they marry so that they have the greatest chance of success by marrying a God-fearing man or woman, obviously, depending on if they're a boy or a girl, you know, so your daughter can marry a God-fearing man. Your son can marry a God-fearing woman who loves the Lord and wants to serve the Lord. And it is your responsibility to make sure that they marry that person. They're not supposed to marry someone from the world. Okay. We're not supposed to be yoked together with unbelievers. If you don't know these verses, just look up the phrases. It'll be easy to find them. So, Remember, as a parent, it doesn't just stop when they're 18 and it's like, okay, good luck, son. No, you are to remain in your child's life, helping to form them into the man God wants them to be. Now, I can show you verses in the Bible that tell you your child is your responsibility up until their death or your own. It's not even once they get married, that's it. You are still supposed to be training your child and helping them and helping to make them into uh, what God wants them to be. Any thoughts so on verse, that, Caleb? Uh, well, the verse that you're uh, referring to there is 2 Corinthians 6, 14b, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness? Um, there is another verse that, uh, well, there's a couple of Bible promises that I like to remind myself of when, as, as a dad, it's sometimes when you get tired, the Bible says not to grow, grow weary and well-doing. And as parents, we can't get tired of trying to teach our children, right? We also can't get tired and just give up in our Christian walk and expect that our children are going to be godly children when they grow up. But, um, uh, this would be, uh, Isaiah. Uh, where am I going here? I think this is, I should know this. Okay, Isaiah 54, and let's go down to verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. And I, I, I like to believe this, and I see this in my own life. So a lot of the peace that I have in my life comes from the fact that my parents taught me of the Lord. And 
um, there there are things that I missed out on my, in my life on that that I'm glad I missed out on. I didn't date 20 different girls before I finally got married. I didn't have a relationship with any other women. I never touched another woman other than my wife. And if my parents hadn't taught me from an early age, they didn't tell me who to marry. They didn't really tell me how to do it. By the time that I picked a wife and got married, I did that on my own. But I was from an early age, my parents had taught me of the Lord. And there were things that I got to miss out on that other, a lot of my friends have a lot of broken heart. Uh, they have a lot of skeletons in their closet, so to speak. And I don't think, I personally have no plans of helping my children pick out a spouse, but I hope that they have enough conviction of their own where they know God's word, that they are going to be looking for somebody that has similar values as, as a Christian, that they're looking for someone that's going to build them up and that they can raise children with that. You know, I hope my sons aren't finding a feminist to marry. I'm not going to tell them, Hey, whatever you do, don't marry a feminist. But if I, if I teach them right, they're not going to find that attractive. They're not going to find a woman that's aspiring to be, to take the place of a man and find that to be attractive. They're going to be attracted to a godly woman that, um, that actually is a lady. I'm not sure if I froze on my end. It looks like your picture froze on your end, but I'm not sure if I'm still coming through or not. No, you're fine. On my side, okay. I video's fine and audio's fine. Okay. Yeah. And the other one is a promise that uh, if parents teach their children, train up their children in the way they should go, that when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And I, I like to believe that promise for my children and for other, other Christian uh, children that I see that sometimes make rough choices in their young adult years. And, and quite a few of them I've seen come back around later on. Some of them um, completely walk away from the church. Uh, they, they live in sin, embrace sin for a period of time. But I, I believe the promise that if we train up a child in the way that they should go, that God is going to use that conviction that, that he would put in their heart to eventually draw them back to him. And that as, as parents, we, we can only go so far with our children, but that we can trust God with them once they get on their own, once they get into those adult years. Like, like Patrick said, if your kid is 21 and you haven't, you haven't raised them in a, a Christian home, don't think that you can start today. It's too late. They're already, they're, they're 21 years old or 18. They, they've, you missed out on the formative years of their life. All you can do now is try to be a godly role model to them as an adult and hope that they can see Jesus in you while they bumble around and, and pray that God draws them to him. But you're not, you're not going to be able to tell them who to marry, what to do with their life. Um, it's, well, you're, you're, can. Your time's up. They're not going to listen. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to listen yeah. at all. You're the last person to listen to. <laughs> okay. So Caleb, um, we're about 10 minutes past. I just wanted to tell a very brief story for my closing remarks and then please jump in if you have anything else and we should we should call it a night. So uh, th this story I'm going to tell from from memory and, and I'm just going to gloss over it. So is this a true story or no, this is a true story. So it's every night my kids have story time and they're, they okay. always do it from memory, too. But I never know if it's true <laughs> or fiction until they get into about three words into it. It's like once upon a time. <laughs> so. <clears throat> We're going to go back to uh, roughly the year 1600, okay? And during that time in England, there was terrible persecution, religious persecution. There was not religious freedom in many countries in Europe. And there were a great deal of families and even entire churches 
that fled from country to country to try to find religious freedom where them and their family could simply worship God together on their own. Around the 1610 mark, a fella named William Bradford with a group that he was with, that he worshiped with, decided to move to Holland to find religious freedom so they could meet together and worship God together freely without the persecution that they found in so many other countries. Upon arriving in Holland, they found that there was no religious persecution whatsoever. They could worship God, hold church services, and the government did not bother them whatsoever. After being in Holland for what I believe was right around 10 years, and, and we can check the facts there. Uh, I might have my dates mixed up just a little bit. They found that the licentious, sinful lifestyle of all the people in that country were so bad that they feared even though they could worship God freely, they would lose their children. They, would, they were going to try to raise their children among the pagan Canaanites as the Jews who newly entered the promised land. And they were so concerned that they would lose their children and their families that in 1620, they decided to get on a boat and sail across the Atlantic Ocean and come to a land where there was nothing waiting for them just to protect their children. They wanted to keep their children from sin and licentiousness that they knew would creep in and destroy them. See, so many times we hear the story that, well, why did William Bradford and, and uh, have the Plymouth Plantation founded and the pilgrims were there? And why did they do that? And everyone says, oh, they fled religious persecution. No, they didn't. That's wrong. That is not historically accurate. They had religious freedom for years in Holland. They fled Holland because it was such a sinful state that they were concerned they would lose their children and their families and they would not be able to successfully raise them for God. So as I said, they braved the Atlantic Ocean and started the Plymouth Plantation where in the first year, half of all the people that got on that boat were dead. And they thought, that that was a better decision than remaining in Holland where sin would destroy their families. So if you are a parent or if you are a young person who is about to be married or is newly married and you're about to have kids and you think that making some changes in your life and getting up earlier and spending more time with your kids and, and getting setting some goals and, and, and setting up a plan to, to achieve those for your children, if you think that that is just too much effort to try to get your kids to turn out right, you are a fool. 
And I believe you will have to answer to God for that. Because when we look back through the ages at what men and women who love God were willing to do to ensure their family be strong and love God and serve him, they literally traveled halfway around the world and braved terrible, terrible uh, situations of freezing to death and starving to death and being torn apart by wild beasts and natives of the land. And they thought all of those things were a better gamble than remaining in a country where they were safe with religious freedom, but sin abounded. Those well, are my closing thoughts on raising yeah, if I children. Was, if I was trying to find some place to get away from sin, I wouldn't be getting on a boat going to America now. <laughs> I've actually been thinking recently how if you look at where our where our world has come to, the political system, the politicians that we have in today's society, a lot of them grew up in church. And if you look at where where the church and where, where children are looking to their spiritual leaders, their parents at drawing the lines, we've got to the point where our, we're in such a sinful culture that pretty much right now, the only thing that everyone can agree on that is actually bad is when it gets to uh, sexual sins against a minor, pedophilia. Everybody can condemn that. And, and most Christians, not all, but quite a few Christians still agree that abortion is really wrong. Those are two things that'll get people worked up. But fornication, you won't see people talking about that in church. You know, you go to church and you're sitting beside a bunch of fornicators. People are fornicating all the time. And then they wonder why there's abortion. Uh, people are growing up in homes where their parents are living in sin. And they're going to church with people that are willing to um, condone sin. And then they, and then you wonder why the children don't turn out better. So where we, the church is where politicians should be getting their values from. And instead the church is drawing their values from politicians. We're drawing our values from society rather than from God's word. We're only willing to actually condemn the sins that are socially abominable. And, and oftentimes we don't speak out on what God says. So I would just say that your children should grow up seeing a parent, seeing their parents being willing to speak out on, on a biblical worldview, not just a Christian worldview that t takes on uh, Christian values as society looks at it. You can call yourself a Christian, but if, if, right, if you take right and wrong from society and what society deems as appropriate and inappropriate, you're really not raising your children with a Christian worldview. They, they don't have a biblical worldview. And so I think that, like Patrick said, sitting down with your children, teaching them God's word and, and having them see a parent that's willing to model taking a stand for what is right and wrong based off of a biblical view is, uh, is very important. Um, so I, I would just like to see Christians being willing to speak out on biblical issues from a biblical perspective um, more so than what we do. And I think that your children need to see that from you. If you want your children to actually have values, you are Jesus to your children. Uh, they are looking up to you as, like Patrick said, as if you were God. And uh, we have to answer to God for the way that we train our children. So, yeah, put the, put the word of God into them. The fear of God uh, is the beginning of wisdom. So I thought it was a good discussion. I was uh, trying to figure about 
an hour and a half ago, I was like, wait, we're talking about kids tonight. What in the world are we going to spend an hour talking about kids? On? <laughs> I had no idea. You put the topic up there and I was like, what does Patrick want to talk about about kids? But yeah, yeah I, and, I think. And every week we get in an hour and a half worth of material. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty in the Bible about every subject we come up with. Hey, you know, one more announcement for those couple that are still holding on. We need more subjects to talk about. So please either make a comment in this video. Uh, we also posted something on our Facebook page, which is hashtag Bible Thumper 1611, I think it is, or facebook.com slash Bible Thumper 1611. Uh, get on there and write in the comments, give us a suggestion as far as what you would like us to talk about. There is no topic that is off limits. Uh, literally every single suggestion we've had from a listener, we have put in the mix and gone through no matter how difficult or awkward the subject may be. We're happy to talk about anything, but we need some help from our listeners. So if you've had a subject you you thought, oh boy, I really wish they tackle this, tell us, literally, just tell us, and we will put it up there. You can message Caleb, you can message me, and you can uh, uh, get that information to us, and we'll, we'll definitely tackle it. Okay, everybody, we are at an hour and 40 minutes, I think, or 20 minutes. We're, we're a ways past. So uh, I'm going to say to everyone, Shabbat Shalom. Have a great night. We'll see you next Friday. Yep. Good night.